Hey, 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 everybody. Let's see if we are on here and good to go. Yep, looks like we are. Good morning. Welcome to Critical Q&A number 421 uh, for this Sunday morning. Hey, everybody. Wow. Austria, all the usual suspects and uh, critics in the crowd here. This is quite awesome. Wow, in the evening, my goodness, yes, all uh, coming to you all over the world <laughs> to this, mor- this morning today, and uh, happy to be here, happy to have you all with me to answer some questions, do some chat, let's talk, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go over some stuff, uh, go ahead and start firing them away at me, uh, we have had a really fun week. I have really kind of just uh, relaxed a little bit this week, and uh, ever since I did the show with... Uh, Let's get ahead and get the uh, chat up on the screen there. Uh, did a wonderful show last week with uh, Tony on Monday, and then we had a live stream on Wednesday where I got to talk about suppressive persons or the antisocial personality in Scientology. Uh, and L. Ron Hubbard's ramblings about that. And compared it to uh, some psychiatric models, some more you know tested, peer-reviewed you know psychological perspectives on that kind of thing. There's all the comments there showing up. And um, I had a lot of fun doing that. That was a fun show, just to kind of break that down, like really kind of kind of put a cap on the whole SP thing, you know, the whole special person thing, right? Which is really, I mean, SP really should just stand for Scientology protester because that's pretty much what Hubbard meant by SP uh, when he said suppressive person. He really just means somebody who's, you know, protesting his, his con, you know, calling him out on his bullshit, basically. And, uh, and he decided to call them suppressive people. So we had a lot of fun with that one, but I really enjoyed breaking down, uh, going over Leah's lawsuit with you guys on Friday. And if you guys didn't check out that show, I really, really uh, hope you will because I had a lot of fun with that and uh, brought some things that I don't know other people are talking about in regards to that lawsuit and Scientology and how to go about attacking it. Just opinions of mine, just ideas I have. I don't know that I'm absolutely right in all of these things, but I try to be. (laughs) I do my best. Anyway, so uh, good times all around. Um, Yes, I did excite. I saw this YouTube, uh, Scientology's Devious Tricks to Hold Its Members Hostage for Life. Let's uh, throw that. Where's There it is. Yeah, that comment right there. Yeah, that's, um, I saw that this exists. I did not yet watch the video. So, um, so I will be getting around to that. And uh, Young Matador asks, um, hey, Chris, could you do a video with a lawyer legal expert to decipher Leah's lawsuit for us so they can analyze how strong a case she has? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, I, I'm more than happy to do that. I, um, I'll probably contact my friend Cyprian or, uh, or you know, or see what else I can, I can wrangle up here to talk about that. I mean, the lawsuit is actually pretty straightforward. There's not any real, you know, chicanery or trickery going on in the lawsuit. And I think what we talked about on Friday are, you know, the the basic gist of it. But what we are, what I do want to go into a lot more detail about with a lawyer and. Which we still, which I do want to do a show about for sure, is um, is that business of the injunctive relief against fair game policy and how Leah is asking in her lawsuit for the Church of Scientology to basically be court ordered to stop fair game, and uh, that that's a big ask, that's a big big broad question and and one that the court might not be able to deal with. So that's one I'd like to. Uh, that's an aspect of her lawsuit that is uh, something I'd really like to explore with a with a uh, legal mind so definitely uh work to do on that and i also want you guys to know i'm also working on a future uh i don't know how long it's going to take okay this isn't going to be next week um but it's probably it's probably going to take me a little bit to set this up but i do want to pursue the legal question of what would it take to revoke scientology's religious status what would it take for a court to say you know what you're not a religion after all that would be a killing blow. That would be absolutely stunning uh, if Scientology could have its religious status taken away. Um, but that's a big, that's a big, big question, you know. And 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 I, I hope everybody's clear on the fact that 
as I've said many times, just because you take their tax-exempt status away from them doesn't mean they aren't still a religion and covered and protected by the First Amendment. And I believe most of the damage that occurs because of Scientology occurs legally because they have air cover of the First Amendment. So if that was taken away, I think we'd see a very different playing field with Scientology. But I want to find out for myself, now that I've said that, right, it's so easy to say, but what does it take to make that happen? Well, it's probably as big or maybe even bigger of a, of a challenge than taking their tax exemption away. It's no walk in the park doing any, either of these things. Uh, and the political uh, will and, and, and capital, I guess, that's required to get either of these things done seems to be completely missing in any you know, official uh, you know, discourses and any official channels. Nobody's talking about this. We're the only ones talking about it. So it would be nice if we could get some of you know, the people in officialdom to take the Scientology problem seriously uh, or the cult problem even, you know, if we're going to extend this beyond the realm of Scientology because there are much bigger groups in, uh, you know, in, uh, carrying out much more damaging things even, if you can imagine that is true, and it is, than what Scientology gets up to. So it would be great if we could have some kind of key to unlock uh, the nonsense that these guys get up to by hiding behind the First Amendment, and they do. And they are not legit, you know, religious operations. They are criminal operations disguised as religions. So that'd be um, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah, I am still under my billion-year contract. Actually, that is true. Uh, okay, good. Let's go ahead and start getting to your questions. I see more of them being fired in here, and that is awesome. Um, so let's get to it. Okay, back on up to the top. And I'm just going to kind of, here's what I'm going to do this week. I realized I've got, um, you know, I never am able to get to all of your questions. And generally when I've been doing my critical Q&As, the way I've been trying to do them is I, is I have been rapid fire and I've been trying to get to as many as I can. And I'm going to try to shift that up a little bit and make it where I can give, if I can, or if I have more to say, I'm going to give them a nice long answer. And that means I might have to pick and choose a little bit as to which questions I'm taking. And of course, the golden rule of this, because I am a YouTube content creator and this is my job, the golden rule is if you super chat a question, I will absolutely make sure before the end of the show that that question is answered. All right, so um, let's go ahead and get to it here. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, wow. Vietnam, my goodness. Uh, okay, so let's see here. But when comes in, when are they given? Oh, okay, all right, here's an interesting question from Fabian. Lots of Scientology techniques are hypnotical. Uh, but when come the suggestions into play, where are they given? Okay, here let me give you a real simple example of the kind of thing that's going through my mind when I talk to you about pre- and post-hypnotic suggestions in Scientology. You go into a church of Scientology as a parishioner, or as a public, right, as a paying customer, and you, um, before you go into your auditing sessions, you go in and talk to a reg a lot. I mean, they come find you. You know, they'll go, they'll go over to the HTC waiting area and, oh, here's Joe and Bill waiting to go on session. Hi, Bill. Hope you're going to come see me after the session. Don't forget to come see me. And by the way, uh, we have to talk about, uh, you know, tell me about the wins that you've been having in your auditing. And the person, you know, tells them and gets them all in a positive mood and frame of mind and says, okay, good. Well, again, don't forget to come see me when you're all done. And there's nothing, you know, that's just a reminder. It's not some, you know, big thought reform technique. But it's said over and over and over again because the whole point is you want to get this person to the reg after the session when they're feeling really good, or at least that's the idea is that they're going to feel real good. So they go in and do that. And, um, and of course, you know, you're going to have a great session. Everything's going to be wonderful, you know, blah, blah, blah. Guy has his session and he comes out and he gets uh, escorted usually to the reg uh, or the reg is there. You know, they get a, hey, call me when Joe gets out of session. I got to talk to this guy. And he's on the lineup of people that they're going to extract money from this week. He's a, he's a cycle. He's a, um, you know, he's on the income list, right? So we got to get this guy. 
So the reg will contact him after session or he'll be taken, escorted to the registrar's office after session. And the reg will then, you know, if the guy is in this really heady, euphoric state of mind, it's going to be a lot easier to get that sale because then it's going to be, oh, well, if you want uh, more of that or you want more, it's actually really even not a, a matter of conditional questioning. It's more of, well, you had this great session. Well, look, we have these other three intensives we want to sell you because you're running low on your hours and you're going to run out soon. We want to keep you going in your auditing. And now the sales cycle starts, and the sales cycle consists of statements like, your auditing is great for you, and you love your auditing. And you know, here are all these positive statements being made about the auditing and getting the person to nod and agree the entire time. I mean, this is standard kind of sales 101. But in the euphoric state the person is in, it actually it actually has more work. It works better to be you know to be uh, plain about it, right? It just you, the the suggestions the registrar makes and the efforts to create into the future and this auditing is doing you so great and it's going to resolve all your problems. Oh, I don't know. I'm really running low on funds. I can't really afford to take out another loan. I don't want to put it on another credit card or I don't want to get another credit card. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course you do. You absolutely want to get this these next few intensives because this is what you need in order to get to fill in the blank, whatever goal it is that the reg is going to sell this guy on. Maybe he's this close to getting clear or maybe he's this close to being a grade one release or something, right? And all your problems are going to vanish. So it's absolutely essential that you actually get through this auditing and I'm not going to hear another word about it. Pay up, right? It's time to start paying the piper because you got it. we got to get you back in session. So let's go, right? money in hand give me that credit card no i'm not kidding give me that credit card right and they'll just start commanding the guy just straight up they're not even asking anymore just give me that credit card and that's how it that's how it'll go right and again in this you know sort of um how do i put it it's it's a um uh, it's a headspace that is suggestible that is more suggestible it's more open to suggestion Right. And that's the whole that's one of the whole ways that this line of the auditing to the salesperson was developed. There's a, it's a formalized on policy like there's policy letters written about how to do this. This isn't an informal. Oh, we just sort of send a person to the reg every time, you know, every every now and again or, you know, by happenstance. It's a very worked out, organized activity in Scientology to get people from the auditing session after their session to the registrar, right? It's a very, very important one because that's where they can make their their money. Oh, God, no, grade one release is not a sexual term, you silly people. All right, anyway, uh, so there's there's a little bit on that. And I want to I want to stress that one of the things about Scientology, if that doesn't sound particularly nefarious and it, and in and of itself it sounds like sales 101, but again, I want to, you know, remind you it's informed by the headspace. But I also want to remind everybody that in Scientology, this is a daily and repetitive exercise, this business of commanding people to do things and implanting suggestion after suggestion and command after command is something that the, the, the regs and the salespeople in Scientology don't even, they're so involved in the process, it's not like they're sitting there going, ah, I, you know, this is hypnotic suggestion. They're just insistent, right? They do the Hubbard thing of hard sell. But it's over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, it just it just the rep, the repetition of this is endless, and that kind of thing, repetition of message, another sales technique because it works because it's effective. So that's you know that's all part of that picture. I hope that uh, hope that's clear. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, hey, super chat. R R R Smith. Did you hear that Emily Baker is going to go into Leah's lawsuit? I, no, I did not know. I did not hear anything about that. So um, that's that's fascinating. I I guess I'm so far out of the loop right now that as I sit here, I'm not remembering who Emily Baker is. So I guess I'm going to have to look that up. 
I don't mean to, I, I'm just totally ignorant here. So I'm not sure what the significance of that is, and I'll have to find out. So thanks for letting me know. Um, okay, but thank you for that super chat, RR. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. <laughs> you have to go one week without Benson in your life or let him sleep in your bed for one night. What would you choose? Okay, this is funny. You guys are going to laugh at this. Uh, total personal story here. So last week, I actually finally gave in and put Benson up on our bed. And I was like, you know, we're just, we're just, you know, cuddling so much with him on the couch and everything. It was like, okay, let's give it a shot. And so I, and we have a pretty tall bed. So I, so I put him up on the bed and he roamed around a little bit, jumped down and didn't want to get back on. We were like encouraging him to, and he, you know, uh, he just wasn't really particularly down with it. We tried, so I was I was ready, uh, but he was not. So um, so I'm not quite ready to sleep with Benson. <laughs> Gross. Anyway, so uh, there you go. Thank you for your super chat, Paul. Uh, okay, and if that changes, I'll let you guys know. Okay, good. Oh, no problem, Juliana. See you later. Um, no, no, it's not too cheeky at all, Joe. Uh, she asks here, um, if it's not too cheeky, can I ask which streaming software you use? Yeah, I use uh, OBS, uh, the, 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 the original stu- uh, studio version, not the um, Streamlabs OBS. I'm using just straight open source uh, OBS software, open broadcast software, I think it stands for. It's totally free, and it works great. Uh, so... There you go. And I use, um, I actually, just to just let you all know, I've, I've, uh, my, my whole back-end operation is actually pretty simple these days. I have OBS for streaming, and I use uh, Photoshop Elements for, uh, which is just a cheap cut-down version of Photoshop, to do any graphic design that I need or Photoshop editing that I do. And I use DaVinci Resolve for all of my video editing and sound editing uh, needs, except for uh, converting stuff over to MP3s when I have to upload my podcasts in MP3 format. I use uh, Audible or, um, is Audible? No, Audacity, sorry, Audacity, or uh, which is, again, another uh, MP3 editing free software uh, uh, program. And... Um, uh, or I will just uh, run a little conversion on the uh, video file. So that's pretty much my setup. I actually have things very streamlined, very, very simple these days, and try to keep it that way because uh, I like things to be simple. <laughs> but, it, but DaVinci Resolve has been absolutely amazing for video editing, and it will be amazing, I'm sure, for uh, for motion uh, animation uh, design as well, which I'm only just barely getting into with it. I'm more familiar with Adobe After Effects and Premiere, and I used to use that package, but they just got ridiculously expensive on their monthly subscription plan for their software, which is a model I despise, by the way. Software as a service is a disgusting way for uh, software to be distributed as a product. I hate it. I've never, ever, ever liked it. And Microsoft and, and other folks came up with that you know, over a decade ago, and it's just uh, a horrible way to chain people to their uh to the companies and the computers uh on these on these subscription plans can't stand that i think it's highway robbery so davinci resolve is absolutely free absolutely free software and it's pro grade level software you can make movies with this stuff and people have um but i did the paid version which is a one-time 300 bucks Lifetime, and by the way, DaVinci Resolve is not paying me a dime to say any of this. None of this stuff is sponsored. Um, I just love it so much. I, I like uh, trying to put Adobe. <laughs> I'm an ex-Adobe user, so uh, I'm, a, I'm an Adobe apostate. <laughs> so that's why I uh, tend to badmouth them. Uh, so there you go. Okay, um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, sure. 
Huh. I'd like to see another movie reviewer more. Uh, would you ever consider doing one again? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. I love doing movie reviews. I just didn't seem, it didn't seem to be a very popular uh, piece of, you know, type of content when I was putting them out. I, I, I even started a different channel because I thought, well, maybe I could develop another channel with this. And it just didn't really fly. So, um, you know, what I got told, actually, by somebody that kind of hit me between the eyes on it and made me stop doing it was somebody was like, look, man, you got a little tiny movie review channel. Nobody's going to pick up on that. There are other people who do it better, and that's all they focus on. You should just stay with the Scientology stuff. And I was like, okay, well, thank you for telling me to stay in my lane. But they were right about the fact that there are other people who, you know, do these whole channels and just all they spend their time on and they go to, you know, movie conventions and all other kind of stuff I can't do. Uh, I just like doing movie reviews. I just always like doing it. So um, maybe I should just ignore the numbers and just do it because it's fun to do. Maybe I should just try that. Uh, okay, it's just because uh, I, I, they're, they're fun. Okay, let's uh, carry on here. Um, yeah, still under my billion-year contract. Okay. All right, fair enough. So, um, yeah, possibly, possibly. We'll have to see on the tax-exempt versus religious status. I want to research it. I want to find out. Um, I, I just like throwing things out that nobody else is, and I think that, actually, if we really want to take down Scientology, um, you know, criminal prosecution and and uh and taking away their religious status would be would be the death knell um oh here's a great question from atypical paul do you think other religions should have tax exempt status personally i don't think any should be should be exempt i believe so too here's what i think here's my here's my thinking right now as of this moment because i have talked about this before but let me tell you what i'm looking at now um, I believe the default position should be that they are not automatically, that a church is not automatically tax exempt, no matter what their faith or belief or religious, uh, you know, affiliations are. In the, in the United States right now, if you open up a Christian church or any kind of like mainstream church uh, corporation, if you incorporate and apply for 501, or you don't even have to apply for 501c3, you'll just get it. It's just assumed as a church you have it. And, and unless the IRS comes down and says, oh, no, hang on a second, right, then, you know, then they might have to review or whatever. But, and, the, and the requirements to meet 501c3 tax exemption uh, status for, under religion are so easy, so easy, right? I mean, John, again, John Oliver parroted this years ago, showing how stupidly simple it was and how any con man could get away with it. So instead, I believe that there should not be automatic tax exemption for any organization in the United States ever, and certainly not under 501c3, where they should have a public benefits test. If the assumption of a religion is that they are tax exempt because they benefit the public through charitable and community activity, fine, prove it, show it. And have, ins have regular inspections of this kind of thing, right? And have inspections of their books and stuff like that. And I know there's thousands and thousands of churches, blah, blah, blah. Well, the IRS is responsible for all of that. That's their job. And if they can't do their job, then they shouldn't have the job. So I don't want to hear about that, right? I, 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 I think the IRS is uh, basically guilty of gross negligence of duty, just complete abandonment of their job, really, when it comes to religious oversight. So rather than continue that model of allowing the IRS to just be a bunch of lazy assholes when it comes to religious oversight, instead put the onus on the religious corporation to prove that they are and have a public benefit. And I don't know yet, I'm actually in the, I'm going to be researching this, I don't know yet what exactly precisely that public benefit test should be. I know the UK has one that's pretty good because Scientology hasn't been able to meet that yet in all their years. 
So maybe we could take a page from the UK playbook on this one. But that's And that's what I want to look at as well as I want to look at Canada, Australia, and other European countries and see what models they have for religious exemption. Because I, because I think far too many groups in this country have no public benefit of really almost any kind and take advantage. They take gross advantage of uh, tax exemption. So let's, you know, let's knock that off. And, um, you know, now saying that, you know, good luck getting that through because there's so much money in this. I, I really don't know if everybody really gets just how much money there is in this. The, the, the Church of Scientology has $3 billion worth of land assets and, and uh, other assets on their books that we're aware of. Right, three billion. That's a lot of money. It's three billion. That's a uh, three thousand million. I mean, that's just an unthinkable amount of money. The Mormon Church has three hundred billion in in the bank. I mean, what are we talking about here? How much money do the Moonies have internationally? How much money is Joel Osteen running around with? I mean, these are con men. These are cults. These are, these are shady criminal operations. I'll call Joel Osteen that. You know, screw that guy. That's, these, are, these things are, are just automatically, every one of these operations that I've, that I've cited for you here right now, automatic tax exemption under the U.S. government. Not even an inspection. Not even a look. So that's what I think needs to be changed about how we, how we go about dealing with that thing, just as a start. I mean, you know, again, trying to keep it simple. Maybe there are deeper, deeper complexities to this. I'm sure the bureaucracy and, and laws and entanglements of having to try to actually force a change through would be extraordinary. Uh, but this is where I think we should be. Be starting and looking at that, and that saying that doesn't that doesn't have any that's no statement whatsoever. the The thing I like about what I'm proposing is there is no judgment of the belief set. We don't care. We don't care what your beliefs are. I don't. Zenu, Jesus, Buddha, you know the flying spaghetti monster. I don't care. Are you of public benefit? If you're going to be under 501c3, which is charities and public benefit organizations, religions, then prove it. I don't think that's too much to ask at all. So that's my thinking on that. All right, let's move on. Vernon, I don't know. Uh, when Quentin Hubbard died, did his siblings blame L. Ron Hubbard for his death? Did he have a Scientology service? Um, I'm not aware of, of him having a Scientology service, but um, probably. I mean, he was Hubbard's kid, and there was a ship full of Sea Org members who got the news. They probably had some kind of memorial service for him. Uh, but I'm guessing, actually, that's a total guess. Maybe the news was just totally buried, although that I, I find that hard to believe given the cloistered bubble world of the Sea Org back then. That news would have spread around the ship pretty damn fast. Um, I have no idea if his siblings blamed uh, Dad, L. Ron Hubbard, but I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it, but I, I don't know. You know, it's hard to, I, I don't have that kind of inside skinny on the family. It's a good question, though. It's a very good question. Um, I would be, that's a question I'd be very interested in hearing um, Janice answer, Janice Grady. I, I think she'd have some insight into something like that. Uh, okay, that's right, da-da-da-da. Oh, Melissa's, uh, Melissa's doing fine. Uh, thanks for asking. She's totally fine. She's uh, actually out at a Ren fair today with a friend. That's where they're at right now. Uh, so I hope they're having fun uh, <laughs> watching silly uh, Renaissance uh, nonsense and eating uh, sticks of lamb. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. No, I've not seen that discussion from Dawkins on science versus faithful facts. That's interesting. I probably have to check that out. Um, 
Oh, okay. Let's see here. Um, oh, okay. Here's a great super chat. Um, psychiatric medication saved my mother's life and saved me from foster care. I'm anti-Church of Scientology because the anti-psych effect on society. Can the exes undo that? Certainly trying. I mean, I certainly am trying. I We, we have to take a good, honest look at... Uh, let me let me talk about this I, if you're if you're interested. Um, we have to take a good hard look at the state of psychology and psychiatry today because they're really not in great shape. There's there's there it's better than nothing right now. It's not openly psychology, especially is, tends to not be openly destructive like psychiatry quite honestly used to be. I mean, I won't. I don't have any problem saying that. Scientology does point out certain facts about psychiatry's history that are completely legit. The electric shocking and the lobotomies and the transorbital leucotomies and the history of abuses in the name of care. You know, people were doing their best, and their best really sucked uh, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, through most of the the 20th century. Um, you know, and then the and then now the emphasis in psychiatry is very much on medications and prescriptions, and that's fine as far as getting chemical assistance. But I think psychiatrists are almost um, are in a place right now where they're almost negligent of duty in terms of therapy and care. You know, there are, so many of them are just script writers. They're just they just write a prescription and ship it out. And that's there's legitimate criticism of psychiatry on that basis. And and medical models of psychiatry are now being questioned by psychiatrists by within the field. There is are there are attempts to self-correct and get this on a different and better course. Now, this is not to lampoon or say that psychiatric medications are not usable or effective in certain cases. They absolutely are. I'm on a drug. Believe me, it helps me, right, for my ADHD. I don't have a problem with psychiatric medications. I do have a problem with the um, too liberal use and perhaps uninspected use of psychiatric medications where, you know, we haven't yet done more, you know, medical screening or life inventory and sort of assessment of, you know, relationships and job status and personal life. And, you know, the, uh, the thing that makes a person a person is it's complicated. There's all these different levels to our lives and all kinds of complications and relationships uh, that we're involved in. How are your boundaries? How do you deal with them? How's your job work going? How are you at doing work? How are you at relaxing? I mean, there's a whole laundry list of inventory questions you can ask people to find out how they are. And I didn't particularly experience this, and I have seen others who have not experienced this level of care from psychiatry. This tends to get shunted over to psychology and psychological therapy and counseling more so than what happens in psychiatry these days. And I I think that psychiatrists could and should be doing a lot more um, in their care. You know, I do. That's my personal opinion. That's not, again, to detract from any legitimate or uh, helpful care that anybody's gotten. I'm not criticizing that or suggesting it shouldn't be done. I'm saying we could always do better, and let's try to do that. And one of the things that I'm finding encouraging in the field that's happening right now, this is more prominently happening in the UK than it is in the US, but there's an effort to move off the medical model where maybe we could take a look at or approach psychological or mental health issues from more of a relationship and societal factors that also impinge on a person's life we you know it's not right to just treat mental health issues as as a as a single individual's problem because a lot of mental health issues have to do with how a person relates with others so maybe other people have something to do with this too. And maybe that has something to do with the whole big picture of this. You know, I, I, I'm talking in generalities to try to get some concepts across more so than specific. Here's how the treatment should work. I don't, I, I'm not that deep into this. But I do think that we could see um, improvements being made in this direction, right? Where instead of diagnoses and treating it like a disease, in medicine, we instead start treating mental health issues more as a social or, um, you know, individual plus social, you know, kind of issue. 
And that's just a different approach, but there is some legitimacy in that approach. Um, so, you know, power threat meaning, for example, is a model that has been put forward where maybe a person has a problem or issue. What threats does this problem or issue present to them? How do they perceive this problem in terms of how is it threatening them? And what meaning do they derive from that in their life and how are they acting accordingly? This power threat meaning relationship or this this model is something that has been uh, taking over in the UK. We learned about it on our program and might have some efficacy. There might be some future there where instead of diagnosing a person with a label, we instead dive into these factors. And I could see other models that could be just as interesting, like instead of power threat meaning where power differentials are being are creating threats to a person's life, maybe we could also look at responsibility. What responsibilities does the person have? What responsibilities are being foisted off on the person as obligations? How are they threatening to the person? What meaning is being derived from that? You know, I think that that's just my own thing, but I think that might be an interesting approach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, um, so can X's undo the negative image of psychiatry? Well, some of us are trying to by talking about exactly the things I just talked about. Uh, acknowledge the past mistakes, but realize the present is not the past and the future is something that we can create to be better. And I think in this field, we've got to evolve and advance it to be better. And I say we, even though I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not going to be, but I am going to use my voice to at least suggest these things and hope that somebody listens. (laughs) All right. Um, Great question. I like, as you can see, I kind of like talking about that stuff. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Um, Yeah. Okay, great. You guys are asking great questions today. Can public Scientologists date staff members? Can they leave their post to date a woman or man? Um, Okay. Public Scientologists can date staff members. Auditors cannot ever engage in any kind of dating activity or relationship stuff with their current pre-clears. And they're not supposed to, even after they're done with the auditing, they're supposed to be, you know, a waiting period. That's, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, you, you absolutely cannot be auditing somebody you're romantically interested in or, you know, making cutesy with or playing footsie with or anything like that. You don't want any of that anywhere near auditing. Uh, it, on that point, Scientologists tend to be rather ethical. They, they really do recognize that sex can ruin everything when it comes to a therapeutic relationship. And, you know, Scientologists consider the auditor-PC relationship to be a therapy relationship. So in that sense, you know, no, no dating, none of that. But if you're a salesperson or if you're, you know, some other job in the organization, nobody's going to blink twice about you uh, going out on dates with public Scientologists as a staff member. Um, now, I'm talking just staff. This is not Sea Org. Sea Org can only date and mingle and do intimate stuff with other Sea Org members. Uh, the other exception within Scientology organizations, uh, that I'm, the only other exception I know of is the supervisors, the course room supervisors, cannot begin romantic relationships with their students while they are their students. They're not supposed to be dating or, you know, asking them out or, or making cutesy or any of that stuff too, right? It's supposed to be a professional student, you know, instructor, supervisor kind of relationship. And that's the onus on that is always on the supervisor. You know, students might become attracted to their course room supervisors, but the supervisor is supposed to be the one to go, nope, nope, nope. And I have seen uh, many, many times reports written on, you know, observing from people observing supervisors and students uh, getting a little too close, right? Not supposed to be doing that. All right. Cool. Um, Okay, what are your thoughts? This is a great question. Uh, What are your thoughts on Lizzo and the current controversy? I've seen her described as a narcissist, but I know you believe that term is overused, appropriate here. Okay, first I'm going to say I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not there. I'm not on the set. I don't know what these dancers, these, uh, apparently she's being accused by multiple background dancers or singers or people of, uh, of creating a hostile work environment and even sexual harassment. 
Uh, but I haven't dived into the details of any of that, so I can't speak to that. But I will say that um, I found it interesting, very, very interesting, that within a day or two of this of these accusations being brought out, that people were completely reversing vector on her. In other words, changing their tune 180 degrees and Lizzo goes from this you know amazing entertainer and and symbol of uh, so many things to people right in terms of the weight and skin color and all that like all the things that that she represents uh, are suddenly uh, meaningless and she is a horrible narcissistic awful person and that's in like 24 48 hours and that's what I've observed in the last couple days and I thought to myself okay well that's not right you know, it's so funny how we turn on a dime on this stuff. Uh, the public can be incredibly vicious uh, in turning on somebody that they previously admired. We see this so many countless times. I don't even have to give you guys examples. I'm sure you understand. Um, so, you know, if we're going to start throwing the word narcissist around, I'm going to have a problem, right? Because where's the diagnosis? Where's the where's the weigh-in from medical professionals? Where's the behavioral list of, okay, the narcissistic personality disorder? Let's see it, right? Until then, you know, kind of like I've never seen uh, one demonstration of narcissistic behavior from Lizzo in any sort of public venue. Not once. Not seen any instance of that. You know, somebody like a Donald Trump or something, there's, every single time that guy gets in, you know, behind a microphone, his narcissism is on full display. It's really not any challenge at all to say, you know, that somebody like that has uh, NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. Lizzo? Really? Well, you're going to have to make that case, right? I got to see it. And until I do, I, you're just throwing words around. They don't mean anything. And then that, that matters, you know, especially when you're character assassinating somebody. The word narcissist should be a word that actually means something important and, and heavy and, and deep. It's, a, it's an important label. And it shouldn't just be bandied about, you know. And, and it, hey, I, I've probably done it too, right? So I'll, I'll own it. If there's, you know, if you can find instances in the past of me throwing that label around when maybe I shouldn't be. I'll, I'll probably own it, right? Yeah, guilty as charged. There are some people, I have put that label on, though, that to this day, I'm absolutely positive I'm right. I just named one of them. Uh, David Miscavige would be another one. It's not a stretch. You know, the behavior and the symptomology is all there. But to just throw that word out within 24 hours of an accusation being made, I mean, okay. Let's 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 be better, you know? Can we be better? <laughs> All right, uh, let's see what else we got here. Great stuff. Um, let's see here. Do we have... Oh, come on now. There we go. Well, to keep a couple of ridges up all night until something left without buying anything was fun for me. Oh, dear God, Yes. <laughs> Jesus, ex-Cyan, yeah. Uh, used to work the second shift, so it was easy for me to keep a couple of Scientology regs up all night until 6 a.m. and left without buying anything. It was fun for me. Did they hate me for that? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yes, they absolutely did hate you for that. No question about it. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> all right, let's see what else we got here. Oh, let me get a drink of something while I'm sitting here going through this. Got that right about Benson. He does wear us down with his cuteness. We will, he will do stuff and we will be so upset with him. And then he just looks at you with those big black eye, brown eyes. And he just looks at you and it, it just your heart melts. It's just, it just mouse. I'm, I'm such a sucker for that dog. Uh, oh, that's the one. Thank you, RR, for reminding me. Yes, I did hear about this. Sorry about that. It's totally so sorry about that. I did hear Emily Baker's name. Yeah, the prosecutor. That's right. Um, yes, yes, yes. I absolutely am interested in that. Thank you for reminding me. 
And I am, um, yes, I'm very interested in that whole thing and actually um, want to find out more about that because I heard she's quite huge. I have tried, just so you guys know, I've tried reaching out a few times to a couple other large legal channels. I've reached out to uh, Legal Eagle and two other large um, and fairly large. I mean, not millions, you know, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. Tried different levels, tried to reach out to these folks to try to have communications, actually four different channels, to try to communicate uh, about Scientology matters with them or get them interested in it. And I never even got a response. They don't even bother to answer my emails. I, I, I really hate that. You know, uh, I know I'm, you know, a small little creator or whatever, but I just, uh, I answer my emails and I, and I expect other people to do so as well. So it's a little rude, but whatever, it is what it is. So um, I uh, have not yet had any success in getting through to any of those bigger guys. Excuse me. But yeah, I'm heard, I keep hearing about how awesome Emily is. So I definitely look forward to uh, checking that out. Um, okay, I'll answer this one. Can I ask why you never go on the SPTV? Um, because I'm not asked. I, I, I am, I'm, okay. In addition to everything else that I've said in terms of drama and, um, differing opinions and all that sort of thing... Let me also add this to the process or to the to the to the pool here. I've been talking about Scientology matters on YouTube for nine and almost ten years. I've said a lot. In fact, I've said almost everything there is to say about it in the countless numbers of videos that I've produced on my channel. And there is and it's all there for you guys. Anytime anybody ever wants to look at, you know, stuff about Scientology, I've delved into so many of the policies, so many of the procedures, so many of the techniques. Um, you know, the 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 final caps that I have to put on this to kind of, you know, like put a lid on it. Are these are these final videos I'm trying to produce and producing uh, on the tone scale and the on the and then on the e meter and um, and I'm really just you know I keep bringing those up because they're you know so over long promised and under delivered and I and I am gonna deliver on those I am delivering on those and um, and that will kind of cap my Scientology speaking I really other than responding to current events you know breaking the topic down for everybody. And explaining why it's destructive, what is destructive about it, what's abusive about it, my own story in it, so many other people's stories that have been featured on this channel about it, so many, um, that I feel like I've given this topic all the coverage that it, that it really needs um, in terms of the breakdown of it. So what's left is responding to current events about it, which I'm happy to do, and, and you see me do that. Um, everybody else in this space is, I, I've been doing this for a while. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal when I say this, but everybody else is kind of catching up. In other words, they've got all that to explore for themselves, and they're doing that content. And as I've said before, two thumbs up, bring it. We need more opinions and attitudes and ideas about Scientology being expressed all over the interwebs. So I don't have any problem with anybody doing that. But having done it for so long, you know, I've kind of said everything there is to say. And um, that's kind of how I think about it at least, right? And so I'm happy to show up on other people's channels if they want to have me or they want to invite me or they want to talk about Scientology with me. I'm happy to, right? And I've had people from SPTV channels on my channel uh, in podcasts and interviews. Sometimes I was the first to feature them, like, you know, certain people. So that's what, so I'm, I'm kind of wide open to collaborations, um, but I'm not part of SPTV because Aaron and I don't get along. And that's the bottom line. And he's kind of the center of that entire community. 
And I'm not part of that by design and by choice. I don't want to be. So I'm doing my thing. And uh, my thing can very, very much include other people. I want it to. You know, and I am in touch with people who do SPTV channels, some of them, and we get along fine. We get along great. Um, Others in that community don't like me, you know, and I can't, I can't decide how they should feel about me. I don't think some of the reasons they don't like me is very fair or just, but whatever. And I think other people have grudges and I get it. We don't get along. Understood, you know, and and as I've commented here many times and broken down for y'all, that's a community. That's the way communities are. It's not a, you know, it's not necessarily a bug or a big problem that communities are like that. Some people get along, others don't. So, um, so that's, that's my take on that. Okay. Uh, So I don't know. Hope that comes across well, <laughs> you know. You always get a little nervous about this stuff, right? Because I don't, it's never my intention to badmouth other creators. And I don't think me saying I don't get along with everybody is badmouthing anybody. It's not my effort, right? Just because I don't get along with somebody doesn't mean you can't. I don't care, you know. Uh, I just don't like it when people who I was once friendly with suddenly are my enemy. That's weird. That I don't understand, right? I mean, the thing between Aaron and me, he understands exactly why I'm the way that I am about him. He knows, and that's that. Other people, they don't even bother talking to me. They just badmouth me, you know, and that's weird. That's a weird one. But whatever, it is what it is, right? And as a public figure, I have to just roll with that. So I do. And, uh, and there we go. All right. Let's carry on. <laughs> Will I wear a sleeveless ACDC shirt, wrap around sunglasses, and a gold chain in one of my videos? No. Pretty sure I won't be doing that. Mainly because I don't have gold chain. I do have a uh, rock and roll sleeveless t-shirt, actually. Not ACDC, but... All right. Um... yeah exactly all right let's see what else we have here oh man certainly seems like adobe has a billion-year contract oh here's an interesting comment scientology is pursuing tax exemption in mx now may get it what is mx i don't know what m mx m I can't, okay. Um, I I did have a conversation recently with uh, Alex where he and I talked about how Scientology seems to be gearing up in the UK for to get tax exemption and get their, get their approval there. Um, we'll be having future discussions on that, actually. Um, but I'm not sure what MX is. If you can clarify that for me, uh, Josh, that'd be great. Um, Oh, okay. All right, Love Foo Kitchen. Thank you for the UK public benefit test is actually poor. Most of the top fee-paying schools, for example, are charities. Better than nothing. Easy to fudge. Okay, thank you for that. That's going to be part of the analysis is if the UK ain't doing it right, then maybe we can figure out some way to do it better. Uh, I'm really not sure yet, but that's, that's, you know, it seems to me that one of the other things about this, of course, is there is no perfect system or regulation, right? It doesn't. It seems like no matter what we put together, these guys are always they they take it as a personal challenge. Oh, okay, I'm going to figure out what loophole there is for this now. You know, it's always it's always whack a mole with these guys. Always. That's one of the things that's so frustrating about trying to come up with regulations over coercive control or cultic be- abuse or behavior. Is the language has to be so precise. And then they figure out some way around it or through it or, you know what I mean? It's really, really crazy-making how clever um, people can be in opposition to sensible laws trying to protect people. You know, abusers are, they are, sometimes they're just, they just, 
Very persistent. Let's put it that way. Very persistent. All right, let's see what else we got here. Oh, my God, this hour has flown by. Jesus, it's almost time to, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vernon, was Leah Remini in the Sea Org? Yeah, she was as a kid. She was in the Sea Org for a year or two, I think, at Flag. She wrote about it in her book, which I absolutely recommend you read. It's a good read. Uh, very, very interesting life that she's had. And uh, it's called Troublemaker, her book. And, uh, and she details exactly what her life was like in the Sea Org. And it was pretty nuts. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Crying over my picture. Uh, let's see here. Wow. Shortage of psychiatrists. That is very interesting, and I'm sure true. Therapists as well, man. I tell you, it is, um, yeah, it's hard. I, it, is, it is hard to find good therapy, and, and psychiatry is just, it's either overly expensive, or you can't find it, or it's just somebody who's writing prescriptions at you, or all of the above. It's, it's maddening you know and to use a word uh you know the state of the field and and of course you know and as i've already said these are also very young sciences they're still finding their way but um yeah i think we need a different model personally i just i you know the whole let's be let's spend eight years to become an md and then another four years of, of residency and interning and everything to become a psychiatrist and then they proceed to not use any of it I mean, I really hate that. I really, really hate that. I think that there's a better way that this could be. Oh, dear God. If I am ever the head of a church, I want somebody to shoot me. And I mean that right now. If I ever start a church, somebody come kill me. That would be insane. Oh, never. Okay, that's right, that's right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Will I do a show where I read poetry and share my feelings about relationships, the meaning of love and life? Probably not. I don't see that being something people want to see me doing. (laughs) Maybe I could spend my time a little bit more effectively. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Okay. Want to make sure I don't want to miss any of these super chats along the way. Um, thank you very much on the podcast. Uh, it was good. Okay. Great question. Hugh Thomas throws out. How Sorry, it took me a while to get to this one. How long is one in Scientology before the idea of body thetans is introduced? OT level three. And in order to get to OT level three, you have to do a uh, purification rundown, a full set of objectives, grades, uh, Scientology drug rundown, grades zero, one, two, three, four, uh, ARC straight wire, new era Dianetics so that you can go clear. Then you have to do the solo course, uh, part one, and you have to get a security check called OT eligibility. Then you have to do all the ethics handlings from that. Then you have to do the solo course part two. And you have to be invited onto the OT levels. You then have to do OT level one, OT level two, and OT level three is where you'll be introduced to body thetans. So how long does it take to do all that? Minimum two years. I don't think you could possibly be in Scientology for less than two years uh, in order to get up to OT three. I mean maybe maybe if you like really rushed through all of that stuff and you just had money to just burn throwing it down maybe you could get through all that in a year but good luck with that that's uh that's about how long that would take that's but that's where you can introduce to them not you don't hear a word about it and uh until you get to ot3 Okay, um, cool, 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 cool. 
Juliana, I don't think I'm going to have a problem being on your channel. Thanks, guys. Aw, thanks for that super chat, darling. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> or you can, you can get me the gold chains, Chris. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> okay, thanks, Debbie. Yeah. I've seen all the comments now on the SPTV stuff. And, and, and don't get me wrong, by the way. I, 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 so let me say this again, just out loud, just to be totally clear. I really love the whole SPTV thing and what they're doing, okay? So I don't, I don't bear anybody over their ill will. That's not, that's not where I'm coming from on this. It's just personal stuff. All right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into any deeper details about um, the personal problems about that. I've been keeping that to myself for a reason, and I'm going to continue because it's basically nobody else's business. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. It's just, it is. I, I don't want to make my grievances public. Why would I? Right? They're not yours, and I don't want to make them yours. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, cool, cool, cool. Okay, Anthony, put it in a super chat. I was trying to avoid this one. <laughs> I, I I don't have a lot to say about Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I, you know, is he legit? Uh, you know, things... Uh, let, me, let me look this up. Make sure I know exactly who I'm talking about here. The life-changing wisdom of German-born spiritual teacher and self-help author uh, Eckhart Tolle. The power of now, a guide to spiritual enlightenment. A new earth, awakening to your life's purpose. Um, you know, you know what this sounds an awful lot like? <laughs> Not legit stuff. That's what it sounds like. If somebody is positively affected by the words of Eckhart Tolle, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, I got nothing to say about it, okay? You know, if, if somebody wants to, you know, take some words of encouragement or inspiration and lead a better life or, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps or become inspired from that, you know, awesome. You take it a couple steps further, though, and it starts getting weird. And that's where I kind of, that's where you see my sort of cynicism come out. Um, because I'm all for inspirational quotes and motivational speaking and inspirational, um, you know, movies and television shows and, and books and poems and, you know, the, cre the creation of, uh, of works that have an emotional impact on other people is the, is the heart and soul of, of good writing and good work, right, is having those strong emotional impacts on other people that can have a positive effect on their life. And I am 100% sure that Eckhart Tolle's words have created those effects on people's lives. Good. Is it legit? Don't know. Is he spiritually enlightened? I don't even know what those two words mean. <laughs> and I don't know that he ever defines them anywhere. Because one of, the, one of the ways that you get people with this stuff is you don't define the words. You just take advantage of what they think the words mean, right? They could mean anything to anybody. Spiritual, what does that word even mean? It's a challenging proposition to actually define it. Same with the word enlightenment. The hell is that supposed to mean? Everybody kind of knows what it, it's like porn, right? Everybody knows what it means or everybody can't, nobody can define it, but they know it when they see it, right? It's like that kind of thing. So, you know, so, so that's my answer on Eckhart Tolle, okay, is, I, you know, I've never cracked a book the guy has written, so I can't really speak intelligently about uh, what he has to say specifically, but just looking over some of his stuff, those are my immediate thoughts, if they're useful in any way. I could probably do a deep dive on the guy, um, but I don't know that he's, uh, I don't know that he's in my, my bailiwick particularly. Uh, maybe I need to learn more about him. But that's what I can say about it today. Thanks for asking, though. Okay. Um, oh, thank you, Juliana, for gifting some more memberships. That's awesome. Love it when people do that. Really appreciate the support, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, 
All right, let's see if we can. Um, yes, exactly. Good. Yeah, if there's pseudoscience there, uh, I might be a little bit more interested in diving in on that. I'll, I'll have to. I'll, I'm going to have to look into that now. Now that his name has come up and and uh, and the and the word pseudoscience has been connected with his name, I'm really going to have to look into it. He's just kind of one of those Deepak Chopra types that I've not really put a lot of attention on, other than to sort of ridicule from afar. You know. Uh, maybe I should ridicule him a little bit more. Maybe I should bring him a little closer to ridicule him. <laughs> How much money does it cost to get to OT3? Okay, that's a great question. And um, all the things that I listed earlier are going to take hours and hours of auditing uh, to, to accomplish, right? All those grades and the, the, the drug rundown and all that stuff. So I, I think this has been estimated in other places um, experientially, you know, anecdotally, and as a former salesperson, I'm going to kind of throw out $200,000, right? Between donations, uh, encouraged straight donations, amends work you have to do that's going to require you making payments, you know, all that stuff. Let's say 200000 to get to OT3. Something like that. It definitely could be more, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of get that. Okay. Um, yeah, there you go. Oh, right there. D- D- I-, I think we're meeting of the minds here. Deepak, he's one of those Deepak Chopra types. Oh, there we go. Okay. Guess I spotted that. Um, Oh, sorry, you won't be able to do a super chat from Vietnam and from Australia. No worries, no worries. Thank you very much for your for your viewership. Um, okay, good. Two more white. John does over there. Do you have a... more white? John does over there. Do you have the streak? <laughs> okay, thank you, Cynthia. Okay, good. All right, so that, I think that's the end. And actually, with all that, I think I actually got to all the questions too, which is awesome. Uh, usually, I end up running out before, before we get to the end. So let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, guys, this was fun. This was a lot of fun today. And, oh, yeah, we had some nice viewers too. Thanks very much for coming around. I really, really love the support and the viewership. And, uh, you know, like and share and get this stuff out there and, uh, you know, and popularize my channel, if you will. I would really appreciate the help. I've got, um, let's see, I'll be recording the After Scientology show with Tony later today. That'll go up tomorrow. And um, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I, I talked about this uh, before, but let me tell you again right now for anybody who didn't hear I've got a new show coming on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be a live show that I'm going to do for members only. It's going to be for Patreon members and YouTube members. That's who I'm going to send it out to. And it's going to be a news show, uh, 30 minutes, okay? Um, it's going to be three to five news stories about cult activity, uh, maybe Scientology if there's you know hot news there, but, but all cultic activity. I'm going to really cast a wide net and try to give a little bit of a news show every week for my members and patrons. And as I work out the kinks, then I'll see about uh, putting the show out maybe the next day or day after for everybody. So it's not just exclusive content, but it will be exclusive for my members to get the first look. That's an idea. You guys tell me what you think about it. Um, I, I'm totally just piloting and trying this out, but I do think the format will be kind of fun, and it'll be a little formal. It'll be like me kind of actually giving you, you know, some deep dive on three to five stories a week uh, from the cult world. So uh, watch for that. That'll be fun. Um, and if you're a member, you'll see it. And uh, there you go. So that all being said, let's go ahead and wrap up for this week on the Q&A. All right. Uh, bye, guys.